previously on the Sports Refuge podcast. In all honesty, man, like, look, me, I'm a shy, quiet, humble person by nature, right? So Eastern Shore, truthfully, was a perfect school for me. From Delaware, almost live, this is the Sports Refuge podcast. This is the weekly podcast featuring interviews with guests discussing their connection to sports. And now, here's your host, Earl Holland. We're back for the 82nd episode of the Sports Refuge podcast, the interview show where guests share their connection to sports and more. I'm your host, Earl Holland. Victoria Robinson and Scott Johnson have been friends for nearly 20 years, starting with a chance encounter in a freshman class at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. Over that time, the two have formed a sibling-like bond that has continued to this day, as Robinson, a D.C. area resident, and Johnson, a New Yorker, remain in constant contact. In this episode, I talk with Robinson and Johnson about their friendship, how they arrived at UMES, and their experiences at the historically black college. Victoria and Scott will also discuss how the pandemic and other things have affected their interest in sports, Victoria's interest in painting and art, the story of Scott's destination wedding, and much more. And now, here's my interview with Victoria Robinson and Scott Johnson. This is one I've been trying to put together for a long time, and I'm glad it is finally coming to fruition. With me, two good friends from the University of Maryland, Eastern Shore. I know. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Victoria Robinson and Scott Johnson. Thank you guys for being on this podcast. This is one of the things that I wanted to do. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. We've been trying yep. to put this together, and finally, you know, I'm here in the flesh. I'm just glad our schedule is finally connected and we had a chance to do this because we've been gone for a long time from the shore and, you know, it's nice to connect nowadays. Definitely, especially with everything that's going on, it is so crazy. As I always say now, since last March, that COVID and everything else has made it a little bit difficult for people to physically get together now. So virtually is the new path to doing that. And of course, what can you do? The first thing I wanted to talk to you guys about, especially maybe some of you guys have seen or listened to Scott's previous episode where he talked about what it was like growing up in New York and living in New York. Scott, when you had that episode out, what was the reaction to the people who listened to that episode? Well, the reaction was mixed because most of my friends were Jets fans. They was like, why were you rooting for them? That's basically the only question they asked me. Why would you rooting for the Giants? I was like, they understood, you know, for my grandfather, you know, they understood that. When they saw the pictures of me and all the Giants gear, they were just like, really, bro? I was like, you're my grandfather. Like, you going to hold that against me? Come on. Besides, I have worse jerseys than that. They could ridicule me for years. So I'm not even worried about that one. Yeah, I can only imagine. So the main focus on this episode is you guys being one of the many segments of people that I had established friendships with at UMES because I know there's so, so many people. I'm like, you know, when you meet people, sometimes there are different phases in life. And a lot of people are a part of that phase at UMES. I mean, there's too many to count and those people will be on for another day and another time. But the biggest thing is I wanted to get right into this. What led to you guys going to UMES? And I know that it is a interesting story and I know... People always have a mixed history when it comes to UMES, but, you know, it's always interesting to find out what led them to this direction. And Vicki, we'll start with you first. My parents. (laughs) (laughs) They made me. (laughs) I mean, well, not necessarily uh, UMES. I'll just be honest. I applied on a whim and they accepted me and I said, well, I'm going. And I think for me, the good thing about choosing UMES that I was still far away enough from home so I can have my independence. But, you know, if something happened, 
my family weren't too far away. It's probably a two and a half hour drive. So it was good. I was definitely shocked when um, I didn't do um tour before going there. So I basically was just winging it. I was like, okay, I looked online, looked at the beautiful pictures that they had. <laughs> and then when I was driving down there to go to school, I was like, whoa, where am I going? It's all this farmland. And lo and behold, we're stuck out in the middle of the country coming to a ghost town. I mean, I don't regret it. I mean, I definitely see that it was, it was really beneficial for me to be out there. I was able to focus and study and do a good job. So that's my own honor. So I'm going to rep you on me as always. How about you, Scott? Well, I want to say my mother forced me to go there. I would say that I do have family in Maryland. When I first heard about going to Maryland, I thought it was the... College Park? The, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was College Park, and then I was like, I was like, oh, that's not that bad. I mean, I'm my aunt's like down the road near Landover, you know, it's cool. And then it's at Princess Inn. I was like, I'm sorry, is this like a separate part? Like, is this like, oh, this is a, oh, dang, <laughs> yeah. But I'm really glad I did choose it. You know, it was just an experience of being away, and I'm further away. It's like five, six hours. Depending on how fast you drive down there, but I mean, it was a great experience, you know, being that far away from home, but not like far, far away, like cross county. But oh no, it was a good experience. I can't knock it. One of the things I wanted to ask you guys: How did you guys meet at UMS? Oh Jesus! Uh, you want to tell stories that? Do I? I let him go first, and then I will correct him. Oh God. Okay. So I think we may not remember exactly. I think our interpretation will be No, different. I remember it. Do I like telling this story? No, but... <laughs> um. So, it was like the first week of classes, and I overslept out of nervousness and fear and everything, and then I didn't know where I was going, so I'm in a mad scramble to get to freshman orientation. No, it was and- Oh, it was English class. Um, okay, that's why she's correcting me. So I bust through the door with this awkward look on my face. I was just like, hey. <laughs> What's up? Oh, my God. I was just lucky no bowel movements came out of me after that moment. <laughs> Were you embarrassed, Scott? Yes, I was. I mean... You have this mindset when you go to your first year of college. You want to stab yourself. You want to be the cool guy. You want to be the confident guy. That went out the window in about five seconds. <laughs> you know what? It was bad. It was really, really bad. Like, from my perspective, um, I just thought to myself, like, I mean, he's right. I mean, the, at that time, I, I believe the classes were only like 50 minutes. We're already like 10 minutes into the class. And here you have, you have this guy just busting this to the door and everybody looks at him and he's like sweating and he's like, hey, <laughs> everybody just looked at him like, what in the world? And I just remember thinking in my head, like, yo, this guy just really, really embarrassed himself. How did he not know where the class was? Like, literally, we came down there at least a week before school started. So that was the purpose of you, you know going to orientation and finding out your classes. And I'm like, how did he get lost? Like, there's literally nothing to do on campus. So that that was my thought. And then he came and he sat down right next to me. <laughs> I'm just like, so, what's up? 
it was definitely an awkward moment and the compassionate side of me, I felt for him because it was just one of those moments that you just, if the floor could open up, you would want to fall through it. I'm still looking for that floor. But many years later, we can look back. That was what fall of, you know, 2002. We can look back and we can laugh at that moment. Definitely, for sure. No, you definitely can't. I, I just, every time I hear that, I'm just like, ah. It's like, look, we're going to forget that day, you know, you know, it did not exist. You know, I, it did not. I, I swear, Vic, I think you're going to bring up that day to my kids. You like this. You know how awkward your father is? Look, there's many um, stories I can tell them, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Move, on. Move on. Move on. Move on. <laughs> Yeah, I'll agree. Say, Scott, did you have any breaking news you were talking about? Hey, you're going to tell my children this. Like, are there anything? No, I'm good. One day. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm one just, day. Like, one day. Like, in the future. In the future. You know, you got to speak things into existence. Yeah. Going on to you guys. I know you guys are diehard sports fans. Scott, you're pretty much a fan on everything in New York. Being in New York, was it difficult to try to choose the teams that you had to uh, be a fan of, especially it feels like there's a particular dividing line in New York when it comes to what teams you're a fan of. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. It's like there's a fine thin line. And it's like once you pick that side, if you flip-flop, you're done. You just have to stick this out through it through. I, when I was younger, I, I grew up a Mets fan. I chose the Jets. Yeah, genius move. Because my grandfather... Always liked the Giants. And when I was a kid, I always asked him, can he take me to games? And he was like, no, you're just a kid. I think that's why I picked the Jets over the Giants, because my grandfather, you know, shunned me from the Giants. I was like, oh, Giants are locked so me. So you go okay, I'll pick the green team. Pick a losing team. So, so you showed him by picking a losing team. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm going to show you. I'm going to pick the Jets. Yeah, how that work? Yeah, that, yeah that's not good. Has your alliance changed with the NBA teams now? Are you still a Knicks fan? Are you, have you jumped on the, the Nets bandwagon? No, no, no. I will not do that. I, I'm, I stuck with the Knicks throughout all of this. Good or bad, I'm wearing Knicks sweatpants right now. I'm sticking with the Knicks. They're getting it together. And it's actually good to talk something positive about the Knicks. Let us have this moment. I think anything regarding the Knicks, normally you can't think of anything positive to talk about, especially right now. So, Vicky, you are a D.C. area native, and you I assume you follow a lot of the D.C. teams, except for one. And I'm curious to find out how you became a Denver Broncos fan and really what other allegiances and alliances are to the D.C. sports teams. I'll be honest. I cannot explain why it's just something when I was a little oh, right. I'm sorry, I had a cough. Whatever. <laughs> when when I <laughs> yeah, you're right, you know, say it. I was always a John Elway fan. I mean from out from me being a little girl, for some reason I loved the Denver Broncos and I couldn't explain it. I was playing with the Denver Broncos back when we had Nintendo Tecmo Bowl. <laughs> like that's how far back you know, my love for the Broncos. I can't really explain it. I mean, I followed them throughout the years and supported them even, you know, when they were losing and when they won back-to-back championships. And was it 1998, 99? And even when they won with Peyton Manning. But I think after that, it's kind of, I won't say that my allegiance to them has gone away. It's just kind of, you know, with the whole NFL, I kind of taken a back seat on, uh, 
watch it. You know, I don't keep up with it as much. And the other DC teams, are, uh, do you follow them a lot as well? The Cavs, the Nationals, the, the Wizards? You know, the crazy thing is, <laughs> as far as these, these teams, I don't really, I don't want to say I don't support them. I go to Nationals games. It sucks because, I'll be honest, they're not really winning. You know, I would say in the last couple of years, it's like the Mystics have won a championship. The Capitals have won a championship. The Nationals have won a championship. The Wizard and the Washington football team, they're just, you know, they're just hanging uh, out there. Who are you? You got like four championship points. It's just like, oh, the Capitals won. The no, I'm, Mystics no, I'm won. Saying, <laughs> no, what I'm, no, what I'm saying is that in recent years, D.C. has really been showing up as far as their teams. But it's like football and basketball is really popular. And it's just unfortunate that those two prominent sports have not brought a championship back home to D.C. And I kind of feel like it's not right that the Mystics have won. It's kind of been pushed under the rug that they brought a championship to D.C. If the Wizards won, I'm sure it would have been wildly celebrated. But I mean, I'm grateful that those other teams have won, but I need the Washington football team to step it up. I don't know what's going on with them. I could talk for days regarding uh, them and their mishaps and just some of the decisions that they've made. I can relate. I mean, I really believe that. Like, sometimes I look at certain teams and I just feel like that particular team is just so committed to failing. Like, no matter what, I've never seen a, another group so willingly to throw their team into the dirt. I mean, there were Clippers fans who, who probably knew what that was like a very, very long time ago. Well, probably up to like 10 years ago, but... Did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hard to believe that anybody can say, well, man... They were actually people missed the Rex Ryan days, but I don't think that that'll ever be said. But the next thing I wanted to talk to you guys about, living in two different areas, comparing and contrasting New York and D.C. To you, if you can, state your case for why your region slash area is the... Uh, Scott, let's start with you about New York. Uh, the culture is, you know, it's fast paced. If you're slow, we'll probably just move you over and get to where we got to go. Like, that's kind of how it is. Like, we're more mm -hmm. like... Move. Get out the way. Like, I'm trying to get somewhere. It's like everyone's trying to get somewhere. It's just like you can't just sit there and watch. Like, ooh, look at that. Excuse me. I got to get to work. It's like they're proud of being rude. You know? No, we're not rude. We're in a hurry. We're trying to get somewhere. Like, okay, now for the case on why DC's a better city than New York. DC is the city of power. <laughs> Is the nation's capital. I would say that D.C. is full of just rich culture. There's so much things that we look back and I feel like I take pride in. I've lived in this area my whole entire life and I feel like there's no place like it. The mumbo songs, <laughs> the go-go music, like that's a national treasure. I mean, I know somebody may fight me for saying this, but I'm not really a fan of Ben's Chili Bowl. I don't know why people come from around the world to go there. But I'm not really a fan of it, but people love it. I mean, I, I just feel like the D.C. metropolitan area has so much to offer. They have the museums, the monuments. Even in Maryland, you know, we love our crabs. I am a diehard seafood fan, so I'm always eating, you know, Maryland blue crabs all year round. So I feel that D.C. is, I don't want to say better than New York, but I'm biased. I have to say one thing. What is it about uh, Ben's Chili Bowl you don't like? Is it the sausages themselves? Is it the chili or? 
I think it's the sausage itself, you know, the, the half smoke. And also, I think it's because of the hype, you know, it's like, don't get me wrong, it's a staple in DC, you know, people come to around the country to go to Ben's Chili Bowl. But it's just like, you know how people hype certain things up so much and you feel like, oh my God, I gotta have it. And then when you have it, you're just like, you know, the experience is okay. You know, it's not, it doesn't meet the level of the hype. Is there a better half smoke in the uh, DC metropolitan area? I don't, I don't know, because I'm not really a half smoke kind of person, but that's just a staple. That's the place that people know. Scott, to you, what's the iconic food landmark in New York City? What is a particular place where everybody says you have to go or the touristy spot for foodies in New York? Mm. Wow, it's just like there's so many options. It's just like a melting pot. Everyone comes for the pizza. It's like you think of New York, you think of pizza. Like, and there's always that debate, who serves the better pizza? I don't know. I'm sorry. Like, I think... DC has better jumbo slices than New York. I'm sorry. I'm just saying, like, like that may be blasphemous, and I know I'm probably never going to be able to walk the streets of New York again. But yeah, they're going to see this. They'll be like, "Hey, is that the Golden Towers back in our city?" Right. I won't be able to walk the streets of New York, but I think I've had better jumbo slices in Adams Morgan than I have in New York. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I think how everybody talks about cheesesteaks in Philly, and I had put up a thing on Facebook, we were in Philly one day, and like, I asked people, where's the best place in Philly to get a cheesesteak? And I had like 15 different answers, and you know, I hear the touristy places like Geno's and Pat's and all this other stuff, and everybody's talking about all the touristy stuff, and then we went to this one place called Joe's down in Fishtown, and that was probably the best cheesesteak that I had in a while, and for some reason, I used to love cheesesteaks, but I feel like I've outgrown it. I don't know, just something different about the taste, but we went there. Best fries, best cheesesteak, pretty cool toppings bar, which was pretty cool about that. But to me, everybody's going to have their favorite place, their claim to fame, the one place that they love the most. And when you it's can... subjective. It, yeah. Like, I went to uh, Gino's, and that's the place that you always see Pat's and Gino's. You always see it in, you know in movies and things like that. But to be honest, I didn't like Geno's. I, I really didn't. And they were kind of rude up there. But the best cheesesteak I've ever had was from Delisandro's. Delisandro's is the best that I've had in Philly. Definitely. Like anybody, or I'm sure people in Philly have been there before. I mean, it's a wait. It's one of those places there's nowhere to park. <laughs> like call your order in and like have your car in hazard and run in and grab it. But it's definitely was worth the drive to go to Dos Andros. Yeah, and that was one of the ones mentioned too. And I'm like, there's too many to, to choose from. And honestly, if I can avoid going to Philadelphia as much as I can, and I'm like 40 minutes away, I'll do it. <laughs> and that's pretty much my thing, avoiding Philadelphia altogether. But, you know, I always, my... <laughs> What's the reason? I just don't like Philadelphia. I, honestly, oh, New York City is sort of like, eh. like I said, D.C., Baltimore. Yes, I always used to talk about how bad the weather was and how really the only time I saw the sun was shining on New York was a, a infamous day in history in 2001. But we'll just leave it at that. So I, I just say that, honestly, New York is, eh, eh. you know, it has its uses. It has its purposes. I've been there a couple of times, but only if I really need to go to New York. That's the only way I'll go. Like Philly, I haven't. 
no need to go to Philly, maybe for cheaper concerts. They're equivalent to like Wolf Trap, which is much closer than driving all the way to Virginia. But that's a whole different story. The next thing I want to talk to you about is something on the docket, of course, attending sporting events prior to the craziness that occurred. Let's just say basically last March. Before that, how often did you guys go to sporting events and what were your favorite ones to go to at the time? So I don't go to sport events because, A, they're too expensive. I mostly go to, like, the Mets games and maybe the Brooklyn Cyclone games. I don't really go to Yankee games because they're too expensive and I hate them. You hate them. I, why did I think that you used to like the Yankees? I don't know no, I know. used to work. No, no, no. I used to work at Yankee Stadium, so okay. I know how they roll. Like, I'm just like, dude, no. And I shouldn't be saying this because my wife is a Yankee fan, but, dude, uh, it's I can't. Trouble. <laughs> she knew what I was when she put the ring on, so I don't care. Anyway, no, but before the pandemic, I really didn't go to, like, much Sporting events because I was working too much and it was like way too pricey. So I'd go to like one football game. I'd be sitting like it'd be a group thing. I don't be like spending like $300 to sit in the middle of the field. I just mostly stuck watching the games on TV and just going to the occasional Met game when they had like a special. So how about you, Vicky? Well, I used to have this thing where I used to tell myself that, I mean, because Everything is so close to me. You hop on the metro, you can go to the Capital One Center. I think that's what it's called now. Or Capital One Arena. I can go to the Washington football. I mean, literally, I can drive in my car and be there in 10 minutes. I had the thing where I told myself that each quarter or each season that I will try to attend one game per season. So whenever it's football season, I will go to... um, the football games, whether it's a preseason or a regular season. I've not gotten to hockey yet. You know, that's one thing that I've been trying to do, go to see the Caps play. You know, I'm just, I don't like cold. So I just figure that it's in a cold season and is also inside with ice. And But I, I still, I'm going to put that on my bucket list. And I really love going to the Nationals game. But COVID has really taken that out uh, for me. And basketball is one that I probably should get into. I mean, literally, sometimes before COVID, I mean, they're literally giving tickets away. Hopefully, whenever we get this pandemic under control, that maybe we'll get back to some normal life. I mean, I really miss going to the baseball games because I feel like being there makes it better. You know, it's it's something that I can't watch baseball on TV and get the same feeling that I get when I'm in the stadium. I just feel a little bit more engaged in into the game when I'm actually there. I think the last, it's probably been maybe 2018 is when I went to the Nationals game because they were playing the Dodgers because Yasiel Puig, you know, was still playing. I like him. So <laughs> I went to see him play against the Nationals. So I think that was the last time. And it's like, no matter what, anytime I go, it must be a curse or something. Anytime I go to see the Nationals, it always rains. Every single time I go, it always rains. There's never been a time that I've gone to see the Nationals and it hasn't rained. Every single time. Yeah, and honestly, I miss going to the games too. I haven't been to an Orioles game since probably August. 
of 2019. August of 2019 was probably the last game I went to because, yeah, we were pretty much, they were on the road pretty much to a chunk of September, and then we were out of town on vacation. And then, of course, everything starts falling apart with COVID and everything, and then they decide to go without fans. And that was really a tough thing because... Honestly, living in in Pennsylvania, I mean, well, I don't live in Pennsylvania. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> living in Delaware, <laughs> you are sort silly, of silly your mind. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah, it's like the hateful person that's done you wrong or something. You just can't get rid of it. But being in Delaware, we're in this weird zone where we're in the blackout zone of basically three cities: Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington. All last season. I could not watch an Orioles game. I couldn't do it. Not because I couldn't do it as like a disappointment. I could not actually watch it because they didn't stream from inside the market. They were in the blackout range because where we're at, we're about 70 miles from Baltimore. That's still in that 100-mile range. Basically, you know, it could be worse if you're a fan of the Orioles and you live in North Carolina. You're pretty much screwed because you can't do anything there. But it was just pretty much listening to them on the radio all the time, using jailbroken fire sticks anything else to watch a baseball game because you couldn't go. You were handcuffed. You couldn't go. You couldn't watch them legally. And I was probably a little less invested in them than I normally would have, especially seeing they contended probably to like the last week of the season before they melted down. But, you know, that's the one disappointing thing. I have seen hockey. Uh, I went to see a Flyers game and Philly fans are Philly fans. The, the fact that they were super excited, even after the Flyers got eliminated the night before from the playoff hunt, and they were still in it the last week, and then they laid an egg, and Philly fans laid into them, and, which is a traditional Philly style, because I will say this, while New York fans, they're passionate, Philly fans are a lot more passionate about their sports, but... Oh, yeah. Nuts. Nuts. And, you know, everybody's going to go to the whole example of they boot Santa Claus. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah, they're so dedicated. After they won the Super Bowl, one of the fans ate poop. Like, what? Yeah, I saw that. You know. <laughs> what? Hey, you know. Wait a minute. Whoa. Yes, it was horse excrement. He was so excited. Wait a minute. It was a police horse. So you, know? just, wait, wait, wait. you did not hear about this? No, I did not. Like, I mean, I'm trying to, like, make that make sense. Like, okay, I can understand you're excited. <laughs> but how excited do you have to be to be like, yeah, I'm going to eat this? The, well. Like, I, it had to have been an accident. It had to be. It had to be alcohol, a dare, or just being so enthusiastic that the Eagles won a Super Bowl that, you know. Even if somebody dares you, like, what's your prize? What is what is <laughs> the fact that you are known as a dude that ate horse excrement for the rest of your life, and you can tell your grandchildren? Hey, you, you said he's, a Philly, he's a Philly fan, right? Yes, yeah, of course they're Philly no. fans. <laughs> I mean, <sighs> let me say this, right? You know, I may get in trouble <laughs> later. Really? Like, might as well. <laughs> I mean, the Eagles fans, man. I will say this: like being in. Being in the D.C. metropolitan area, one thing I will say that the Eagles fans are the most obnoxious. Like when they come down and they play the Washington football team, the most obnoxious. And also Dallas Cowboy fans. And what's more obnoxious is the Dallas Cowboy fans that live in D.C., Maryland, Virginia. I'm like, why are you so hyped over them? You don't even live in the area. Like, you, I mean, it, it's just... 
you could be in a grocery store on a Sunday and you'll see, you know, the men wearing their jerseys and their posing and jersey. And like literally you could be in the produce section and you just see them arguing about the teams. We're like, y'all both suck. <laughs> Why are you guys arguing about teams that suck? And you know the history of why there's so many uh, Cowboys fans around D.C. Just because of the history of the segregation with the Redskins that basically every black fan ended up becoming a Cowboys fan. <laughs> like I said, you know it's bad when the owner said, I will integrate black players on my team the day the Harlem Globetrotters put white players on. I mean, that's why they basically removed the name of the of previous owner from that uh, seating level and replaced it with Bobby Mitchell. Because in addition to all the other stuff, they might as well just like, hey, we're going to silently do this and just wipe it away. Just like it was all a dream. But I would say definitely those those two teams, like their fans are probably the most obnoxious. Like I just figure like when... Um, <laughs> I mean, I know I'm going off on a tangent, but I'm just going to have to speak my piece because they are just so gung-ho. I mean, I understand being a, being a fan, but it's like some of these people literally go out in cuffs. <laughs> they go out arrested leaving the stadium. It's like the last time I went to um, Washington football team, uh, they were playing the Steelers. Roll my eyes. <laughs> they were playing the Steelers, and the Steelers did one. And they were literally getting ready to fight people in FedEx Field. And I'm like, you guys won. Like, why are you trying to fight? Yeah, yeah. they're like 40 miles south from the place where they should be fighting people. That's, if you were going to go fight somebody, take it to Baltimore. That's pretty. <laughs> I'm like, these, these seats cost too much. Because, like, I'm like, listen, whenever, that's just my thing. Like, whenever I go to a sporting event, like, if I can't get the good seats, I'm not going. I don't want to do nosebleeds. So, I'm paying good money for my seats. So I don't want any commotion and any foolishness. I'm like, people, they spend money, especially just take take out the ticket price. When you go there and you buy the food, I mean, the food will run you a good, you know, it'll basically burn a hole in your pockets. I went to um, preseason. I think is that was the last event I ever went to. I went to um, the Washington football team. I had a preseason game, and this was in 2019 in August 29th. It's actually the day my niece favor was born. I literally had some good seats. I probably paid like $35 for it. I was like in the dream ticket section, like right there at the goalpost, you know. And I literally paid maybe $30 for some hard chicken tenders and a soda. <laughs> like, I swear, I swear. I could have chipped the tooth or scratched my gums. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Those see, said this was so hard and dry. I will never see. That's the one thing I hate about the NFL. And I'll say it. I hate certain things about the NFL. I hate with the passion that I love about baseball. The fact that, well, I'll say this Orioles games because Nats games are, are no better than a Redskins game going to. And the thing is this, because one thing is about, and I'll say this, this is the one of the pluses about going to an Orioles game. You can go outside, buy all your food outside from the vendors. All those people got those little corners up, put in your book bag, walk on through. That's all. Oh, that look, yeah. Walk on through. And, Oh, yeah. We tried that in that game. We almost had that. Basically, you're going to be taking what? One bottle of water, maybe a, a one food item. They don't like even oh, yeah, that's, to a football game. You can't even go. You got like you have to come in there with the clear plastic. Bag. Oh, yeah. Clear bag. You can't take a purse. Can't take an umbrella in. And that's just now nah, that's the one thing I'm like, honestly, that's the one reason why I don't miss a football game. The only reason 
the last football game I went to, the, my best experience at a football game when I was was when I was covering one. That that was it because uh, that's one thing I like being a sports reporter. You get fed. You don't do that. You don't do it as a cops reporter. You don't go to the, the courtroom and they have a nice little spread out. No, as a sports reporter. They gave you there was a in Philly too of all places. I covered the Eagles game, Eagles Saints. They had like a breakfast crepe stand. They had like a whole thing full of a whole spread full of food and all this other stuff. They gave you the stats. You still go down to the locker room and interview people. And even if you already recorded your interview, they'll give you a whole typed up sheet. You don't even have to really put any effort into doing anything. And that's all you had to do. That's the only way I will ever really go back to a football game because honestly, as a fan, I am not impressed. If you're gonna go to a football game, I'm gonna eat the food at the tailgate. That's a, that's probably the best part of the football game, the tailgating, because you can eat your heart's desire. That way, you don't have to spend a hundred bucks for a burger and a soda. But I feel like the, the the food inside is a part of the experience. Like this is like me going to the movie theaters and not having the movie popcorn, even though I I can't lie, I have snuck some <laughs> some snacks in. <laughs> Big, big. If you haven't, then you are either on the honor society or a liar. That's that's all it is. But you have to sneak in reasonable things. Like I swear, I'm not. Hold up. So. I, I tell you this. Hold up. No, no, no. I tell you this. I swear. One time, me and my wife brought like half the White Castle menu into the movie. Day. We're just like. <laughs> Was it in go. a big purse? Was it in a big purse? That's the only way you can disguise it. She had a big purse, and I put some in my coat. So, yes. See, I had friends. We all went to see Tropic Thunder, so this is how long ago it was. People, my friends, despite their names, Greg and Candace, they had bags of popcorn in sandwich bags and just kept handing it out to everybody. And uh, some of us, uh, I snuck in something from Dairy Queen, a burger from Dairy Queen and all this other stuff. Pockets, pockets full. Other people had the dollar store stuff. I mean, see, and like I said, to me, movie theater in the theater that's making all that noise rattling like you hear the rap on so we're just like (laughs) well here's the thing that it sounds like any other box of candy that you would buy at the movie theater but that's the one thing to me i say this the movie theater is like the buffet but in reverse where you bring in the bag to pull out the food as opposed to bring in the bag to load up on food when you go out because you guys probably remember the bonanza steakhouses or the ponderosa steakhouses my sisters would take a big purse they would line it with uh, they'd line it with a plastic bag uh, or napkins, and then they just take all the wings <laughs> off the boat. Oh my god! And stuff it in there. Wouldn't be anything else. And you know, this is the era well before the air fryer, so you didn't get the reheated consistency and crispiness. But yeah, that was pretty much you know that, that to me. Hey, you know we're going to the buffet. Yeah, I'll get some of the stuff, the ice cream and all that. Those wings to go. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't ever, I don't think I've ever taken food out from the buffet ever. I probably should have, but I don't think I've ever done that. Line your purse with a bag that doesn't spill grease, and just line and just just load up your crunchy stuff. No saucy stuff, just crunchy stuff that you know easy to reheat. I think I would only do like if you know if it was like a pizza buffet. You know, <laughs> I like pizza, but like no, to me, like... I think that I've always been the type that I've never really liked buffet because I've. I'll be that person that people will be mad at. I'll go to the buffet and I'll just get one plate just because, you know, that's all I want to eat. Like, I think sometimes, you know, you think that if you go to a buffet, you'll end up eating more and more and more and more and more, but you really don't. 
Yeah, I mean, now I've seen people who get the same plate of the same food over and over and over. That's, yeah. you know, that's one thing. But, you know, like I said, I'm going to sample it. I mean, of course, I went to a Chinese buffet. <laughs> See, I went to a Chinese buffet now with COVID. Now you basically right. tell them what you want. And they'll scoop it on your plate, which is such a, uh, I can't do this. I, it's like getting your gas pumped in New Jersey. I'm a grown adult. I know what I can do. Oh, yeah. Uh, New Jersey is another place I don't like going to, but I'm a grown adult. And I like to be treated like a grown adult. This isn't like I decided to get one of those Colonel's famous bowls from KSC. You ever hear the comedian? He talked about, man, I just got myself a failure pie in a sadness bowl that, you know, you treat me like a grown adult that I can't eat corn, mashed potatoes and chicken by ourselves. <laughs> you have to feed it to me like I am a... Uh, Feed it to me like I am a baby. You know, I'm capable enough to doing all this stuff. And I think I like to have that courtesy of it. And just like I said, I don't like one. Like, if you ever been in New Jersey, which, Scott, I assume you definitely have a lot. I, uh, yep. you know, I don't like people pumping my gas. I really don't. I, I, oh, that's I don't trust anybody with my card. I mean, to me, I, don't. I think it's weird because I remember the first time I, you know, actually driven my car to New Jersey, pull up in the gas tank, and I'm getting out the car. The guy's looking at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> like bro. <laughs> you know, this, I mean, I've been to New Jersey many of times, maybe passing through, stopping, but very rarely have I ever stopped at a gas station. So the first time that I actually had to stop at a gas station, you know, I was not aware. I wasn't aware that, you know, I got out of my car and he's looking at me like, okay, I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, we got to pump your gas. I felt so weird. <laughs> it's just I, like, I, why? Because to me, I feel like it's like, like Earl said, it's something that I'm capable of doing. Like, I feel like it's, it's like, I don't know. I, I just didn't feel right. It's, it's pumping gas. <laughs> <laughs> it's pumping. Oh, <laughs> man. Like, I mean, to me, I just feel like I don't think I could be the person pumping everybody's gas because I just feel like if you're not from that state where they do that and you're used to doing it on your own, it's, to me, I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a task that, you know, and maybe I'm just thinking too deep about it. Let me say something, because basically we just basically ran up the whole East Coast. Like, we just trashed Jersey. We trashed Philly. We trashed D.C. Baltimore. I trashed New York. I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm not trashing these places. You know, I'm not trashing. I mean, I'm sure that there are some, you know, wonderful things in all these places. <laughs> not in New Jersey. Wow. I work there, so. I work there, so. I basically remotely. Yo, that Walmart is, yo, don't, don't sleep on that Walmarts. I, I go for the Walmart, like, and my family's out there. But anyway. I'm to think. I, I, I think about New Jersey. I'm like, hold on. Man, I'm, I think I'm kind of rude. <laughs> you basically have to make a right turn to make a left turn. That's basically, I can't do it. I know oh, somebody who lives in D.C. now who is from New Jersey. I know from somebody who lives in D.C. now who is originally from Jersey and like goes to New York stuff a lot and is from Jersey. And it's like, yeah, hey, and he's a he's a traffic engineer. So he's like, hey, don't hate on the right turn and make a left turn. It is safer. But to oh me, I God. just can't do it. My wife, every time I pull up, we're driving to Jersey. She's like, you know, you can turn right here. I was like, what? And it's so weird. It's just like you're so used to having laws. And it's like, yeah, you can turn right here. It's fine. Do you see a sign that says you can't turn right? I was like. I don't trust Jersey that way. Like, I don't speaking trust traffic, them. Speaking of traffic, like, I think what I kind of get confused about being in this area my whole life, like the circles in D.C. 
we have been in DC. I'm like, literally, I will go in a circle and I will always miss. I mean, I always see the sign and be like, you know, the third circle. You mean know, like just like Massachusetts Avenue or something? I'm just, I always miss. It. What? You're like Chevy Chase in European Vacation, where he missing the turn and he starts <laughs> like slowly late. going well, insane as he goes around. <laughs> I'm like, we're well, almost there. They have a few in Baltimore, but I'm just sitting there. What was their obsession with these circles? Oh my god, I, I don't even want to talk about Baltimore. They cause... say it's supposed to be safer because you know people should know when they're right away, but they yield to the right of traffic, but. I don't know. That's always. I mean, it's probably safer, but again, people who don't know how to drive, it's always an issue, regardless if you're a skilled driver in the world. We get a lot of tourists that come in the area. So, I mean, if I've been here, you know, my whole life, then I'm probably used to it. But imagine someone who's not familiar with the area. And I mean, everything looks alike, you know, and you're trying to, like, especially DuPont Circle. I'm going around a circle. I've been around a circle many a times in my life. I'm just like, darn it. I missed the turn. I got to go. He's just like, damn. Oh, my God. Especially when the GPS tells me. You know, sometimes I need to use GPS and it always goes, tells me to go the wrong way. So it's just, it's just crazy. One of the things I had to ask you about, and I go this quickly, some of your favorite athletes, and I know, Vicky, you were talking about Yaziel Puig. Why is Yaziel Puig one of your favorite athletes? I don't know. I just like him. I think what I like about him, it's not even about his athletic ability. I mean, I, I just think physically the guy is just a monster. He's just stacked. He's a, a powerhouse. But I think that I like his charisma, what he brought to baseball. I feel like he's a showman, you know, and I feel like that has caused a lot of problems, you know, with some older generation people who think that baseball is supposed to be a certain way. And I know that him and what was that guy? I know we talked about him. Um, uh, Tatis? No, no, no. It was another guy that he always used to fight. Um, oh, that um, Bum, yeah, 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 of the John. Oh, well, now he's on the dime. Oh, yeah, Bum- that's the Bumgarner. Yes, those two used to always fight all the time. At least two fights I've seen them have. Um, I just like his, his showmanship. I, he's entertaining to watch. Um, I wish he could have some better numbers, but, you know. <laughs> See, last year he was, like, close to signing with the Orioles. I saw that. I didn't even, like, follow up to see. And actually, speaking of him, let me. It's so oh, jeez. This is so good level. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even... He didn't play last year. Exactly. I'm like... One of my co-workers actually got me this because they know I like him so much. So that was back when he was with the Dodgers. So it's just weird that we're talking about him and just on my bookshelf, I have a a picture. Just like, here he is. Call me. Call me, (laughs) The wild horse. I just like the fact that, you know, it's just himself. You just... You know, sometimes you, you need somebody different to break the mold, to be, you know, different. You know, I like the crazy hair, <laughs> playfulness. Any other favorite athletes that I have? Um, I mean, I just think that he's one of the main ones that I like that I've been, you know, following for a couple of years now. But sports is kind of taking a backseat. Like you guys know, I've always used to really be deep in the sports and we would always have our sports predictions. And I was actually pretty good at it, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I don't think I have any um, favorite athlete now. I mean, current. I mean, I used to be a diehard Elway fan, but I think that after um, I was a little disappointed in you know his stance when it came to um, 
the players kneeling. So I'm kind of like giving him the side eye, like, okay, I've been, you know, following you, loving you for years. And, you know, you just start to see how certain people think. So kind of side eye him now. Yeah. And the thing is that, yeah, I like my last favorite athlete was Adam Jones because, and I made it a priority is that when you start getting to a certain age where your favorite players are younger than you, you might need to start getting that up. And that was like, that was it. Adam Jones was probably, to me, the last favorite Oriole that I had. Now, again, familiarity, just the fact that he was there, the fact that he was a black superstar with the Orioles and hadn't had that well, since Eddie Murray. And that was like the 80s. And and again, there's no knock on Ripken and all those other guys. But, you know, it's good to see the representation. But honestly, now I just watch it for the sake of watching. it. I like the team and it's really hard to with any sport. It doesn't matter what team. It's hard to really get invested in somebody who in a good six to 10 years might be gone or in sometimes five to seven years could be gone. And then you're just sort of being a fan and just trying to do that all over again. So to me, just now being a fan of the team instead of the players. I mean, I'll say players are exciting and things like that, but I no longer have any favorites. Like my favorite athletes, what Chris Weber, Cal Ripken, Adam Jones. Um, that was pretty much it. And most of the time people change teams. And to me, it's hard to get invested to the players, but to me, it's just a team overall. Right. I mean, that makes sense to like the teams instead of the players because the players, they go to different places. But I think I, for me, when I pick favorite players, it's always for some weird reason. Like when I was a little girl, I don't know why, but I love John Stockton. I don't know why. <laughs> that is what you most You could tell me I love John Stockton, but now I'm like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> or whenever we were, remember, Scott, when we was in, in college and we used to play uh, live, NBA live, and I used to whoop you. I always played with I'm sorry, what? I used to always whoop you. No. Yes. The lies that you screwed. I used to always beat him with the Sacramento Kings, and I was always busting threes on him with Stoyakovic. Right? Always busting threes. <laughs> why you. Oh, we're gonna have a talk after this. It's we're gonna talk. I used to beat him. No, you need to tell the truth. You tell the truth. <laughs> Y'all people. I know. I did. I used to. You're beat making him me. Lot. I used to beat him a lot. I let you win. No, 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 no. I was no. I was, bust, I was busting them three. <laughs> yo, yo! I swear to God, if we weren't on this. I'll tell you. Pick up the sticks right now. Let's see what you got, but. No, that's all. That was probably, you know, that's probably the only game that I was good at. But I, I used to be busting them threes on Scott, whooping them. <laughs> no comment. Move on. <laughs> so one of the things that we were going to discuss, Victoria, you got into painting. What led to your interest in painting, and how long ago did you do it, and what was it that you like about it now? Um. Well, honestly, I think that I started painting. It wasn't long ago. It was probably maybe 2015. And I think I was just going through a um, transitional period in my life. And I was just daring myself to do things that I've never done before. And it just started out with one day I decided I was going to go to a uh, paint and sip in Baltimore. And I did my first painting. It was, I think it was like a wild orchid. 
that thing looks so terrible. <laughs> you know, it looks, I mean, it, you can tell it was a flower, but you can tell that it was, you know, my first painting. I don't have any formal training or anything like that. I just went there and followed the instructions from the teacher. And it kind of just took on a life of its own. And, you know, I just started doing it more and more and more and more. And before you know it, I mean, I actually started getting good at it. I'm not a professional. You know, I don't think I could sell my work. But if you look at my work from the very beginning and my last painting, you can definitely see the progression. And like I said, I still don't have any formal training. I'm just know how to follow instructions well or just have that creative eye. I mean, that's just how it kind of started. You know, I was in a transitional period and I was just daring myself to be bold and do something different. And look at what I have. I mean, I have some pieces I can show. I'm not going to show the one that y'all, that I showed y'all before. Uh, I'm sorry. It says I'm out of wine. I don't know if you guys can see it. The other one is a more adult. Um, it's on my wall here. I don't know if you guys can see it. Yeah, that's what I look like in college. Like. I can't close my eyes. Don't look at the picture too. Y'all, I'm watching. Don't, don't look at it. That ain't for your eyes. To you, which is your favorite painting that you did? Probably the one, the, the one that I just showed here. The, the one I call Black Love. You know, I don't know why. I think I just like the, you know, what the picture represents. It's, you know, a man and a woman, you know, expressing their love. They have the, the crowns on their heads. So I think it's, it's a good message behind it. So I think that. You know, when I went specifically picked that session to go to for, you know, I like the picture and I just thought it was a good message behind it. I mean, especially like nowadays, you know, people are really like, I mean, if you get on social media, it's like <laughs> you think the sky is falling. So, I mean, I think that it's good to put positive, you know, images of love out there. So I think that that's probably one of my favorite. And the other one that I showed, the one that says I'm out of wine. I don't know. For me, I really like. Um, this whole pop art kind of thing, you know, that for some reason, when I see those type of images, I just immediately, you know, go for them. You know, the whole comic book, you know, the little dot skin and everything. I really enjoy that for some reason. With the pandemic sort of putting that stuff to a halt, I mean, I know you're probably eagerly awaiting the next opportunity to paint again. I've definitely missed it. You know, I definitely miss it. I think the last time I did a painting was last year on Valentine's Day. I did a, um, it kind of looked like a self-portrait, but it's not me. <laughs> I mean, it looks like how I would. To be honest with you, a lot of times when I do portraits of other people, I kind of throw some elements of myself in it whenever I'm doing it. So, I mean, that's when I say self-portrait, but not me. I mean, that's what I meant. I always put some part of me in it, but I miss it. I really do. Like sometimes when I look on my Facebook and it shares the memories and I see some of my past paintings show up, I've just been recently sharing it. I mean, it's not that I can't paint at home because now, you know, these sip and paints, they do virtual events, but I feel like there's something about that human connection and being amongst other people while, you know, creating art, it's something, you know, meaningful. So I miss that. And I don't know, you know, whenever the situation the pandemic is going to bring our lives back to normal, but I have to cope. I have to find ways to still, you know, create and do the things that I, that I love. Yeah. And it's really paid an impact on, like you said, being able to be around people and the virtual stuff. Sometimes you just can't replicate being in person around people and reacting. You need, you need and that human touch. You know, I'm a person that likes to embrace people, you know, if I 
tapping on your shoulder, give you a hug. You know, that's me. And I think that that's really important. I mean, the virtual thing is good, you know, but we're human. We're made to connect with each other. Scott, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, you work for the U.S. Postal Service. How did you get the job and what led you to work for the Postal Service? And what is that like? Take oh, us God. through a day with you working at the post office. Hold on a second. I, I'm I'm gonna need something strong for this one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> something strong like wood. Okay, I'm ready. Um, Every everybody's got wine except for me, and I, I just yeah. can't do it for for dietary reasons. But <laughs> well, actually, my mom said, "Hey, they're hired at the post office. Why don't you give it a shot?" And it's funny. My grandparents used to work in the post office. And my mom worked at the post office for a short time in college. So it was like a third generation thing. You know, that's pretty cool. Ah, day at the post office. (laughs) It's a lot to go through. It's like you're delivering letters, you're delivering packages. People, especially nowadays, everyone's waiting for their stimulus check. They're just sitting on the porch like... They're ready to fight you, huh? Yo, they're just like, yo... You got my stimulus check, son? Or you got my W-2? They just sitting there watching you. This is like... Waiting for the postman to pull up. Oh, yeah. But now I actually am an instructor now. So I teach people how to become postman. So that's a whole lot better. Because on days like snowing, I would be inside. And I'll just tell them, here, this is how you start. Enjoy while you can. I assume the grip is the wrong way down. You got to turn it upside down so you're ready to to be on the defensive. Oh no! You drink first. You don't want to waste it. You drink first, then use the weapon. <laughs> then use the weapon next. Oh, you don't man. waste wine. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh gosh, Vicky, you mentioned briefly about your semi NFL boycott at one point. I think we all know our feelings on why, but. How did you try to avoid the NFL with the passion? Because honestly, it's hard to not get away from it, especially when it's all on TV and, and on the internet. Well, for me, it's easy. To just don't watch it. You know, just don't watch it. I just feel like there's a lot of hypocrisy and things. And I'm just the type of person that when I, you know, believe strongly about certain things, it's not hard for me to stick to that. And I'll just be honest, you know, I have not like, I mean, I didn't even watch the Super Bowl this year. I mean, first of all, I didn't watch Super Bowl because I knew they were going to cheat. <laughs> or, I, or like, name. <laughs> I thought you didn't watch the Super Bowl because it was over by the first quarter. <laughs> I don't think that I've even watched the Super Bowl in the last couple of years. I think probably the last Super Bowl that I even got a glimpse of is when I think it was Atlanta got cheated. Oh, yeah. uh, cheated. They didn't get choked. cheated. They choked. choked. They choked. <laughs> The Heimlich and CPR was definitely needed for that moment. Uh, like now, like I said, you can't cheat when you have the world uh, worst coach on there, Kyle Shanahan. He calls himself two Super Bowls, and so I can't say to cheat it. He's just bad. <laughs> so I mean, I I just I don't know. I just feel like that there are there there were some quarterbacks that I don't want to say suck. That's really strong. Um, I I, I, I feel like there were some quarterbacks out there that were given opportunities and they were not that great. And I don't feel that Colin Kaepernick should have been sitting out. Right. Whatever his protest was, you know, I feel like that was his right to stand up and peacefully protest. He wasn't hurting anyone. He wasn't causing any disruptions. It's not his fault that 
people tend to hijack narratives when they don't want to hear the message. So to me, I just felt that, you know, from a long NFL fan, I just felt like I couldn't really support the hypocrisy. Like this guy's not playing. And you got people like Kirk Cousins, you know, playing for the Washington football team. Like he's actually that good. I mean, the guy is like a polished Rex Grossman. Why are you giving this guy a chance? You know, not to really dog Kirk Cousins, but I felt like when you have situations like that, when you have mediocre quarterbacks like that, and you push them up on the platform when you can have somebody like that who's been to the Super Bowl. I mean, they didn't win, but Colin Kaepernick could have outplayed so many other people that are just mediocre. Right. I mean, Sam Bradford had a career for a long time, but that's neither here nor there. That's kind of why. I just didn't feel it's fair. I mean, forget what you think about what he did. I mean, what he did did not hurt anybody. Some people's feelings were hurt because they don't want to address the issues that he was protesting. But that doesn't give them right to not have him play. There were some teams, like I said, the Washington football team, were in desperate need of a quarterback that they could have taken him. They could have taken him. Could be more desperate than Denver. Like you know, what I mean, and, and what I'm saying, yeah. that's why you don't. That's why you don't really hear me, you know, hooping and hollering about. The Broncos, because they've been in desperate situations where they've needed a quarterback. I mean, even I'm not even saying put him in the front. At least put him on the roster and try him out. There's been so many other players that have been mediocre, but they've been pushed to the forefront and they haven't been able to produce anything. I just don't understand the decision making of some of these teams. You know, I just, I mean, you can be in the NFL. You can do anything like this guy that just beat up his girlfriend. The guy from the Seahawks was named Wheeler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was what? crazy. <laughs> I mean, you can do stuff like that and still play. Like, from my understanding, I have not followed up on it, but he's still playing. He's not been fired or suspended, right? Oh, oh he got, no, he got no, let he go got like cut. the day of or day okay. after he was gone. Okay. But somebody else is going to pick him up. I can assure that. I don't know. If, if Ray, Ray Rice, Rice never got a shot, Ray Rice never like, got a shot. That's what I'm like, look, nobody, I don't care how desperate they are, but Ray Rice is still. No, hey, there's, there's a couple of guys who were on Kansas City that had some issues. But. So that's what I'm saying. Like, they're, they're, these players are people, and they are flawed. They have issues. But to me, it seems like certain things are forgivable and other things are not. Like, you can't tell me that Colin Kaepernick kneeling, you know. Oh, yeah, that's a... You can't tell me him kneeling was so bad that, you know, he couldn't play again. But people justified Tim Tebow praying, like, oh, this is why he didn't get to play in the NFL anymore. No, that's not the reason. He won a playoff game, but... (laughs) (laughs) Let me say something. Let me say something, Vic. The the reason why he'll probably get a job before Ray Rice... The running back situation, like, running backs have, like, a good, what, five, six years on them. If They have, like, a, a short window of opportunity. Ray Rice was, like, on the tail end. He wasn't, like, dominating the league or anything. He was just, like, a – he was an okay running back. He played his role. He did his thing. Now, so, uh, linemen – But you're basically saying that if you are talented – we can forgive your sin if you're talented and you can bring us a win, but if you're not – to hell with you. If Ray Rice was in his prime and that happened, 
we would have found out what would have happened. But since he was sort of on the tail end, like you said, if he was MVP caliber, Ray Rice, you know, the hey diddle diddle four and 22 out of the middle. Yeah, he probably would have gotten another shot. Yeah, definitely. Video or no video. That's the thing. No, look at the guy from uh, Dallas who kept getting chance after chance. (laughs) Oh, um, oh, McLean? Yeah, yeah. You, you fire a gun in somebody's head. I mean, before we derail, <laughs> yeah, you, you do the, some of the stuff that he did, and he got like two or three chances. I mean, of course, Raiders fans embraced him, but that's a whole different story. But I mean, you see why I, I kind of feel like I'm not saying that I won't ever support the NFL. Like, I'm not really boycotting them, but I kind of just feel like they're not consistent. And, I, and to me, I just felt like, you know, that was just a way to silence the issue by hijacking the narrative and making it something else you know if he's kneeling for one particular reason why are we talking about patriotism and the flag and and all this other stuff like that's not what it's about it's not like just say hey i don't want to talk about what he's protesting but don't turn it into something else and then not allow him a, a chance when pretty much you have players out there that's on drugs beating women cheating you know doing all this crazy stuff killing people and they're good. They can still play or they're given multiple chances. But I'm glad you guys told me about the, the Wheeler guy because, I mean, at first when I saw the story, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not even reading anything from like, the- like That's enough. But it's just so flip-floppy with the NFL. They try to put all this positive images to try to clean up. They try to do everything to clean up the whole Kaepernick mess. Like, that's my opinion. Like, I love football. Like, every Sunday, I'm good at football. But for fantasy reasons, like, and because I need to take something away from my team sucking. But, like, this is just basically, you know, we're trying to clean up what we did. Like, they say, oh, you should have gave Kaepernick a job. I've seen all these quarterbacks come in left and right that no one would even think of. It's like, really? Over Kaepernick? Him? Like, Blaine Gabbert keeps getting jobs. That's that just tells you all you need to know. That's all I'm saying. But with with the whole situation, like you, you really, really can't justify why he doesn't have the job. That's one of the things that I will always. And if I was him, I would honestly be pissed because it's like now, you know, that you see things that are going on in the country, and everybody's like, he was right. Uh, Duh, he was right. Duh. He didn't just make the stuff up. You know, this is a real issue. And, like, now everybody is so woke. And, like, if, exactly. I, was him, if I was him, I would just go ham <laughs> and just say, this is what I've been telling you guys, but y'all were ready to just drag me. And now NFL is doing all this stuff, talking about, yeah, well, no. The NFL, I, I'm sort of indifferent about it. I'll watch the Washington game, but it's not like, eh. I don't support the NFL really like that. I'll watch the games, which I, I guess is bad enough, but I'll watch it on bootleg. <laughs> because, again, where I'm at, all I get is Ravens and Eagles games. But Oh, know, yeah, like, so. I just watch it on my phone. I try to keep track of scores. I'm not really interested in football until, like, and only the Super Bowl, I just watch for, it's just a piece to eat and watch commercials and, because the game, I have no horse in the race, so I'm just I watching mean, to see if it's entertaining. Two out of the past three years have been clunkers, and if it keeps getting that point, what's the point? I watched the Puppy Bowl like I did. I ended up changing the Puppy Bowl uh, halftime. I didn't, I didn't watch much of the halftime show. But the Kitty Halftime Show. Yeah. You know. All right. I got a question for everybody. The halftime show. <laughs> you, the, 
The weekend paid three million dollars of his own money to produce that. I don't know if you guys saw the halftime show, but it kind of looked like uh, I don't know what that was. But let me ask you something. You know, I bring this up because they just talked about Justin Timberlake and the whole Janet Jackson thing, and they finally apologized and all that stuff. Like it's big shake your head, like too little, too late. He just kept that apology to itself. Let me ask you no. something. If you could book one person for the halftime show in the Super Bowl, given all that's been going on, you have the right to book the music, find out what your focus is, you know, bring that attention. Who would you pick and why? Are we picking living or dead, or are we just going living? No, let's do living. Like, okay. Oh, well, there goes my like four choices, but um, <laughs> it's like dead, dead. I don't dead. care about I don't care about modern music. I really don't. Like I said, if you know what, if you're just gonna just as, as fans kick us in the crotch, just put Taylor Swift on and just be done with it. I really have no preference. I really don't. The person I'm gonna pick already has already done it before. Yeah. But um, I'm gonna say Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars is probably oh. the only person that now that I can say that can play multiple events, you know, and really keep people's attention. Like, I mean, I've seen him in concert um, years ago when he did the Moon Jungle, whatever, (laughs) Moonshine Jungle. That was the unorthodox jukebox concert. Whatever. Whatever that thing. I I, I, got to go look it up, but it was a couple of years ago. Um, But yeah, Bruno Mars is probably the only person that I would really like to see to do the super that like, i feel that can do the um the halftime show and really keep people's attention i think maybe my honorable mention that i probably don't think this will happen um maybe rihanna i honestly have rihanna. i have no one but i'd go to the extreme just to say hey let's put them out there and this we'll ruin halftime shows for everybody and we'll never need to see one again let's put megan the stallion and, and Nicki minaj out there let's go if we're gonna oh, go extreme i don't care oh yo i was gonna say Bruno mars but put cardi b let her have her own show oh, I, <laughs> I, I can see that good luck explaining to your kids I'm what rap is I mean, I'm tired of seeing like Rolling Stone, you know. I'm not Rolling Stone. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, Rolling uh, Stone. I mean, they're all either way, know, same thing. I just, yo, you know, I would just, like to see, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, I'm, I'm a Red Hot Chili Pepper fan. I would like to see them. I thought they did it a few years ago. Uh, it might have been ten years ago. Wait, time flies. I thought they at least had like a little cameo. I think they did. Yeah. Yeah, was it with Bruno Mars? Was it with Bruno Mars or something? Somebody, they showed up like out of nowhere for like a song or two and then. Oh, they were kind of like the Missy Elliott of Katy Perry's. Like, they just popped up like, hey, remember me? I remember. Nah. You know who was terrible? Um, I think one of the last Super Bowls I remember watching the Black Eyed Peeps. Oh, Lord. Like, yeah. I don't know if it was their style, but they were terrible. People I want to see, either you start doing the holograms. And, you know, oh. you get the hologram. <laughs> Those are weird. <laughs> it's just looking like... You can't beat any other what? show. Like, the, who, like, who like the you, last show. If you show. had to do a hologram, who would you pick? You know, it's Michael Jackson. No, not oh, at yeah. all. You I, know my hologram, Michael go. Jackson. That's it. Again, for anarchist purposes, look, you know what? Bail R. Kelly out. Let's get him on this. Wow. He's got the repertoire of songs that everybody will do. And like I said, <gasps> honestly... Oh, no! 
No! <laughs> We've had what, worse people. What song could R. Kelly actually play at the Super Bowl? Uh, uh, step in the name of love. World's greatest. The world's greatest. For good family fun, it's a family show when these guys are crashing into each other violently. It's a family show. He's got like a whole bunch of songs. Gotham City. He can play all. He'll play yeah, all I'm the all the ones that make everybody feel safe. <laughs> like I said, he'll play all the ones that make everybody feel safe, and then uh, and then everybody will find. They may be throwing a name oh. and then call it a night. Hotel. Yo, NFL, oh. call us. We got ideas. Like, oh man, hey. Well, if he was on better terms with Jay Z, it probably would have worked. I'm just um, I, I just think that I think R. Kelly's just gonna fade to the black. Mm-hmm. You'll never hear from her again. Had this happened but thirty I, years I, ago, he'd been fine. Kept rolling. It happened to a James Brown. You know, I thought Bill Cosby that. Like, he's like, but you know what? To be honest with you, I would not be surprised if. Somebody try to pull it off and have our kill. I mean, because if you think about it, the things that have been deemed acceptable in the yeah. country for the last couple of years, look, I would not be surprised. And I would not be surprised if people actually packed the stadium to see them. Where things have happened. Bunch of older women. That's all it is. It'll be a bunch of older women. <laughs> Not the demographic. They're, well, it would be the demographic they want to try to cover, but then think about, nope, we don't need that 16 to 20 female range. We don't need that. Those little kids ain't listening to R. Kelly. They better not be. Oh, my God. They better not be listening to him. <laughs> I mean, that's why he's the Pied Piper. But <laughs> You know what? When he called himself that, like, that should have been a bell that rang off of somebody's head. Like, ding, ding, Plus ding, the, ding. you know, having your 16-year-old wife sing AJ and a number, that's another one. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just like... He was basically telling on himself. <laughs> he still got away with it. But the only video he wore the mask on was Step in the Name of Love, the wrong video. Um, <laughs> ending yeah. on that note, a uh, quick thing. I want to talk about Scott's wedding. You guys had to go down to Mexico, and you were able to be a guest at Scott's wedding. What was that experience like? Let him talk about his wedding. No, no. I want to hear the guest's point of view. Like Nobody cares about the groom's point of view. We want to hear what the guest experience was, because they treat the groom's. Like they're superstars. I want to see if they treat you, you know, kind of the same way. Like I had a really, really, really good time. That was my first time in Mexico, or well, first time traveling to Mexico by myself. You know, I was bold. <laughs> I was <really laughs> She's like, "Yeah, I'm going." Yeah, because I mean, I was concerned about going by myself, and I mean, everything was beautiful. Like the way they had everything set up. You know, you had a van pick you up at the airport. And, you know, take you to the resort. I mean, the resort was so beautiful. Like, as soon as I got my bags and I was going to check in, it was like just the view of the beach from where the lobby was. I mean, it was just amazing. I was taken aback. Um, the room was beautiful. You know, just the whole resort, the food, and, and just the events. And on the wedding day, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I have this story that the whole time I was just chilling. But the morning of the wedding, I decided to go to the pool, right? I wanted to lay out and have, you know, swim in the pool, get some sun. And like maybe a couple hours before the wedding, because I think the, we had to be at there at 4.30. And, you know, I'm an early bird, so I was going to be at 4.30. Yeah, we always run late, so I don't know. I was having some margaritas at the pool, because it was just drinking the, bringing the margaritas. And probably like around 1 or 2 o'clock, I started to feel a little shaky. I'm like, oh, no. I've been here a couple days and I, you know, why did I do this? So anyway, I 
gathered myself, <laughs> took myself back to the room and tried to try to shake it off and got dressed and um watched Scott get married. It was so beautiful. Uh, just watching Jackie come down the aisle and hear the music. I was like, oh, try not to cry. And then Scott comes down the aisle <laughs> to some, <laughs> some, some um, rustling music. Yeah, I did. I did. Right I, did. <laughs> I was like, this guy is crazy. He walked down the aisle to some rustling music. <laughs> Everything was beautiful, you know, the music, the ceremony, um, you know, the bride, the groom, the, you know, the bridesmaids, I love their colors, the color scheme. Um, it was just a, a wonderful experience. I'm glad I was there, you know, present to see him, you know, take this big step in his life. And it was good. Oh, and another story. Oh, geez, here we go. <laughs> Look, you know, what, you know what story I'm about to tell. No, remember what happened to me at the bouquet? Oh, oh, oh God. God. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell uh. you, right? <laughs> so, got there to the reception. <laughs> Scott comes in there, walks in with Jackie, his new beautiful bride. Wrestling music. He has wrestling music and he has a belt, a wrestling belt. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I'm like, this dude is really, he, he's really feeling himself. He is really doing the most. Anyway, so we're sitting down, we have the food, and but it comes time to throwing the bouquet. So me, you know, I get up there, you know, I believe I'm in the front. Long story short, when Jackie throws the bouquet, the bouquet is in the air. And I mean, literally, it's on the tip of my finger. Somebody pushed me from behind. <laughs> Knocked me on the ground. Knocked me on the ground for this bouquet. Somebody caught it. I'm just going to say, I'm going to let Scott tell that part. I, ain't gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, I'm glad I was not wearing a dress. Because I kind of wore, like, not a bodysuit, but a jumpsuit. Jumpsuit. Man, if I had a dress on, they would have seen everything. I mean, literally, when I say... <laughs> And Scott didn't know because I got up, you know, I, I picked myself up like nothing happened. I'm clapping like, oh, you know, I mean, I literally had it on the tips of my fingers. But I was impressed. Like, I'm I'm not going to like throw bowls to catch a bouquet. I mean, it's not that deep, you know, but apparently some others had um, more motivation to mm. catch this bouquet. So I, Scott didn't know. Scott didn't know that I got beat up on the floor <laughs> <laughs> until, until I think it was a couple months ago. Yeah, when well, we were in Baltimore. Yeah. yeah. And I told you, I was like, "Hey, Scott, you know I got beat up." You know, and he was like, "What?" I said, "Listen, when Jackie threw the bouquet, somebody knocked me out to cast the bouquet, and then you play the video back, and lo and behold, you see it's on video." Yeah, I saw. I was like. Oh, I was on the floor, on the floor, and heels on in my jumpsuit. Somebody <laughs> knocked me out to get the bouquet. Oh my gosh, I got to see this video. I mean, it's, <laughs> oh. it's so, and I mean, it's so embarrassed. I mean, I I gathered myself up. I played it off. I was like, you know, clap, and I'm just looking around like, you serious? <laughs> you can't be embarrassed if you got pushed. That's a whole different thing. It's yo, something different like, if you well, slip, but yo, you should do a pawn like foul. I, mean, I, I, was, I had heels on, but I was like mid air because it flew above 
and like literally because somebody pushed me, you know, it went down to the person behind me. So, so Scott, just quickly tell us your perspective of it. What wrestling theme did you come out to? Um. Okay. So, first, I came out to Evolution, Line in the Sand, when I was walking with my mom and my dad down the aisle. I take great pride in that. That was cool because originally the plan was for me and my groomsmen to walk down to Evolution. But, of course, my wife would not let me do that. So I told my mom and my dad, and my mom asked me, what is that place? She's like, I tell them, don't worry about it. It's fine. Because she was like, what kind of rock music is this? I told her it was wrestling music. She was like, and Jackie said yes. I was like, yeah, kind of. I was a little surprised when I heard it. I was like, what is this? And then she was like. with wedding music, you know? No, because I wanted to have... Like, it was my wedding, too. I love my wife. Like, but it's my day, too. I wanted to have something interesting. Like, but that song, though. <laughs> I thought you were going to come down to Mr. Perfect or something, you know, oh, something no. a little more with a little more majesty to it. No, 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 no. You know, I was, no, because the Richie, Bret Hart's music, you know? Because <laughs> we I was supposed to walk down with my boys. I was like, yo, me and my boys, we're going to walk down to Evolution. And then she, Jackie's like, the one of the bridesmaids going to walk down to. I don't know you. Uh, uh. So she was like, no, they have to walk with the bride. So I was like, fine. But I'm still playing this damn song. And I just walked out. I did this down the aisle. I know Vic looked at me like, what is this yeah, boy? I got, pictures. I got pictures and videos of you. Okay. I, I went like this. And my dad looked at me like, what is that? Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, but Leave it up overall. <laughs> hey, it's my wedding too. Don't let her say it's her wedding. It's my damn wedding too. Anyway, well, I think you definitely left your mark in there. Thank you. We can tell who came up with what, and that was all you. <laughs> There's so much stuff we didn't even get to, and I think we had a great time with this. And yeah, we'll definitely do this again before we wrap this up. Anyone you want to give shout outs to? Anything you want to promote? Social media and things like that. I want to let the ladies go first. Um, I don't think I really have anything to promote just yet. I, I think when I do, I'll come back and uh, promote that. Now, I don't know if you guys want to follow me on, on Twitter. <laughs> 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 that is a, a different arena there. I'm a little different there. But if you do, it's VickyLove84. Um, it's V-I-C-K-I-L-O-V-E 84. And I think I'm on Instagram as well. It's I am. Vicky Love 84. So, And Scott, how about you? Oh. Do you do the social media much anymore? Well, I I just do it to follow other people. Um, I have Instagram, Darkhawk30. I just follow people to see, like, oh, my life isn't that crazy. I need to step it up. But I just wanted to talk about this. This is called Ground Up Coffee Club. This is made by a couple of friends of mine. They just started this last year. This is the truth right here. Uh, you can go to groundupcoffeeclub.com or find it on Instagram. They make excellent coffee. I got to get some more of this stuff because I read through the first one so fast. I was like, I got to get more. But, you know, I, I like to just step back and watch people on Instagram and Twitter lose their minds. I mean, that's just me. Do but, you follow me on Twitter, Scott? Probably not, because I talk to you almost 
every other time. So you're basically Twitter on the phone. Yeah, well, no, my Twitter is a bit different. <laughs> oh, Earl, my God. Oh, now we got to see. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a lot of political stuff. So it's just different. I'm more serious there. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this trip not only down memory lane, but the interesting story of Scott's wedding. I look forward to having Scott and Victoria back on the show in a group or solo interview capacity. Next time, in celebration of the summer season, the second annual Sports Refuge Summer Cookout Draft will be underway. What goes first in this fantasy draft and what remains on the board? You'll have to listen to find out. As always, you can find episodes of The Sports Refuge wherever podcasts are heard, including Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Podbean, and more. Don't forget to leave a review, which we'll read on the air, in addition to subscribing and sharing the episode with anyone you think will find the episode interesting. Until next time, this is Earl Holland saying thanks for listening and have a good one. You've been listening to the Sports Refuge Podcast. For more information about our show and our guests, go to our website at thesportsrefuge.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Sports Refuge, on Instagram at Sports Refuge Sports Blog, and on Facebook at The Sports Refuge Sports Blog. Thank you for listening.